Matthew chapter 27. Make sure I got this thing on. Matthew chapter 27. One verse of scripture uh, that I want to read this morning. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 54. The Bible says, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word now. I pray that you'll give us liberty these next few moments. Lord, I ask most of all, if there's somebody here lost, would you please put them under conviction, speak to their heart, draw them to an altar of repentance this morning, and may they be saved by the grace of God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. There's five things I want you to see in this verse that I think we ought to take note of just on the outset of this message this morning. I want you to see, first of all, the centurion that is guarding. The Bible said, now when the centurion and they that were with him. When you think about the centurion, who this man was is that he was a man who was responsible uh, for guarding the crosses. His responsibility was is that he was to examine and he was to witness the crucifixion as it was to take place to make sure that everything was carried out exactly the way that Rome had demanded it. So there is the centurion uh, that is guarding and then there's the crowd that is gathered in verse number 54. Notice the Bible said, when the centurion and they that were with him. Who is that crowd that is gathered with this centurion? No doubt it is those soldiers that are following his orders and following his command and perhaps it's even others there that uh, the centurion of Calvary had so captivated them and had so brought them to the cross that they could not pull themselves away. They stood there in awe of the Lamb of God as he took away the sins of this world. So there is the centurion that is guarding. There is the crowd that is gathered. And then I want to say thank God in verse number 54, there is the Christ uh, who is gone. Amen. You see the Bible said that they are watching Jesus. But if you go back to verse number 50, The Bible said that Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, uh, he yielded up the ghost. Uh, His body is there, but his spirit is already gone. Uh, Jesus has already left this world. Uh, He's taken the blood uh, and he's putting it on the mercy seat as they're standing there that day. Jesus dismissed his spirit. The Bible said that he yielded up the ghost. Uh, In other words, uh, he dismissed his spirit and his spirit left his body. Isn't that what Jesus Jesus said in the book of John, he said, no man will take my life from me. He said, I'll lay it down. And he said, if I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it up again. Amen. That's what he's doing in this text. Uh, There's the Christ uh, that is gone. Uh, And because he died, hallelujah, thank God we can all live this morning. Uh, I want to say not only is there the Christ that is gone, uh, not only is there the crowd that is gathered and the centurion that is guarding, but there's the circumstances uh, that are gripping, amen? You say, what do you mean, preacher? Notice verse 54 again. The Bible said that the earthquake, and they saw the the earthquake and those things uh, that were done. It gripped their heart when they saw the earthquake and those things that were done. What are those things that were done? If you go back to verse number 51, the Bible said that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake, the rocks rent, the graves were opened. Many of the bodies of the saints which slept came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared 
unto many. Hey, they saw those things. They saw the earthquake. They heard the rocks rent. I'm telling you, listen, they saw the graves open. They were told about the veil. If you were at Calvary, you were looking at the temple. And my friend, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. No man could have done that but God, amen? And when they saw those things, those circumstances that was around Calvary, it gripped them. The Bible said they feared greatly, amen? So there's the circumstances that are gripping this morning. But here's what I want you to see today. There's the comment that's glorious. Look what this centurion says in this text. Truly this was the Son of God. I want to tell you this morning, the greatest movement of all that took place in verse 54 was not the movement of the earth and the rocks. Was not the movement of the tent of the veil that rent from the top to the bottom. It was not, my friend, uh, the movement uh, of those graves that burst open and those bodies that come out of the grave uh, and those dead men that came alive again and started walking. That was not the greatest movement in verse fifty-four. You say, "Well, preacher, if that was it, what is the greatest movement? It's the movement of the heart of this soldier, the movement of the heart of this sinner." You see, when Jesus saw this centurion, he did not see a soldier. He saw a sinner that needed the gospel, amen. He saw a sinner that needed saving, amen. When I think about that this morning, here's a man that's standing at the very foot of the cross. His responsibility is to view the cross, to view the Christ, and to make sure that the orders that have been given are carried out to the letter, that everything is done exactly the way that Rome demanded it to be done. But I want to tell you, it wasn't the way Rome commanded it. It was the way God Almighty commanded it. As he stood on this hillside this day, this is not chance or circumstance, but he stood in the very midst of sovereignty. He stood in the very midst of providence. God had ordered and formed this hill and knew that it would be the very place that the Son of God would purchase our salvation that day. And this soldier, all the while, in verse 54, here's what he's doing. He's standing at the foot of the cross. I want to preach a few minutes on that subject this morning, on standing at the foot of the cross. Standing at the foot of the cross. You see this morning, the heart of this soldier had been softened because of Calvary. There were those that stood there that day. Their heart was more harder than the the ground and the stones that they were walking upon. They walked away from Calvary, not affected, not moved. That's the way the gospel is. In a congregation like this this morning, this sermon will move some, but others will be untouched. They'll go about their business and forget all about it. I don't know about you, whether saved or lost this morning. I don't want to leave here unmoved. Do you? I want the word of God to move me this morning standing at the foot of the cross. Uh, There's three things I want you to see in this verse concerning this centurion as he stood at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, First of all, I want you to know this morning that he was alert, amen? The Bible said, now when the centurion and they that were with him, look at this little phrase here, watching Jesus. They're standing at the cross, But they're not standing there like a lot of people do in church on Sunday morning, looking around with their mind wandering. They're not standing there thinking about what they're going to do this week. 
This we got to remember, this was just everyday business for a centurion. He had been to this hilltop many times. He had stood by the crosses of many men. He was used to watching a crucifixion so much that he was desensitized, uh, that he could watch the, somebody die, such a cruel, such a vile, such an agonizing death, and he could go home and sit it down at the supper table and eat his meal and never think twice about it. It was just everyday business in Rome, but not on this day, friend. He's standing at a different cross on this day. He's standing at the foot of a cross like he's never stood at before. And brother, it has captivated his mind. It has captivated his attention. I want to say this morning, he's standing there and he's watching Jesus now. He's not paying any attention to those other two men, but he's got his eye on the middle cross. He's looking at that center cross. You know, that's what the cross ought to do to every one of us this morning. It ought to captivate us. You say, oh, but preacher, I've heard the cross preached on many times. Yeah, you're just like the centurion. You've seen it many times. But I'll tell you, if you ever look beyond that cross and you see the one that's on that cross, I want Calvary to be as fresh and as real to my soul this morning as it was the day that I got saved. Amen? It's just as rich right now. I'm telling you, if you want to view the cross, you'll have to view the one that's hanging on that cross watching Jesus. What did they see when they watched Jesus? I want to say they watched him suffer, didn't they? He poured out his life blood that day. They watched him as he spoke that morning. The Bible said he, the seven sayings of the cross, uh, he gave those sayings that morning. And listen, this man heard uh, those sayings of the cross. Uh, they watched him as he saved, amen. You remember, uh, listen, Jesus died uh, and that thief was still there and that centurion was there and he heard Jesus say to that thief as he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Uh, hey, the centurion heard that. He saw that at the cross that day. I'm telling you, listen, he watched Jesus as he saved a sorry old thief, someone that they had put to death. But my friend, the clutches of death had hold of this man. He was going down for the last time, but just before he went under, he watched Jesus save one more soul, rescue one more sinner before he left this world. He saw salvation crystal clear at the cross that day. He was alert this morning. It must have been some, something to watch Jesus on the cross, to watch him bleed, to watch him breathe as he drew those final breaths, to watch him battered and bruised. I, I believe that he never forgot this day. It changed him for time and for eternity. You know, that's what the cross ought to do for us this morning. We ought to see Jesus hanging there. This morning, what we need God to do in all of our life, we need, he need, we need him to wake us up to Calvary. If you're lost this morning, I pray that you'll see Jesus on the cross. Now, he didn't stay on the cross. Somebody say amen. We don't have a crucifix up here. We got an empty cross, amen. You know why there's an empty cross? Because there's an empty tomb, amen. But listen, just because there's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb, it doesn't mean there's a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. He's alive and he's well. We celebrate the fact that the cross is empty, amen, that the tomb is empty, but the throne is vacant this morning. He said, I'm he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Revelation 1 and verse number seven, he only died once and that's all he ever had to die. And he died for you and he died for me. And sinner, you ought to wake up to the fact that God loved you and Jesus died for you and he wants to save you. You don't have to go to hell this morning. 
If you're here and you're saved and you've got used to Calvary, may God open your eyes this morning and may it be near and may it be dear this morning to you. And my friend, listen, Calvary is God's message of love this morning. Calvary, Calvary this morning is God's message of love to every sinner that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He was alert this morning. Are you alert? Secondly, not only was he alert, but I see here in this verse, he was alarmed. The Bible said, they saw the earthquake and those things that were done, and look at this phrase, they feared greatly. You know that phrase, feared greatly, it means to tremble greatly. To tremble within. When I think about these men, they were soldiers. They were men that were strong and stout and they were serious men about their business. If they didn't carry out the orders just properly, it would mean they could lose their own life, amen? And when you think about uh, this uh, centurion as he's standing there at the cross, uh, listen, there way, listen, there wasn't a whole lot in life that would put fear in his heart. He saw men die. He's taken men's life. Uh, he's watched one after another be crucified. He's been at the scourging post. Uh, he's watched them gnaw their tongue in so much pain that history says it literally fell off. He's put men on the rack. He's watched them rip out the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments and the intricles. The Bible said his visage was so marred he was beyond recognition. Jesus was literally turned inside out and it was not, listen, this man had seen this many times. He was not never moved but when the son of God died, all that he saw and all that he heard and all that he witnessed when Jesus died, it touched everything in the universe uh, and this man feared greatly, amen. Say, so Brother Gravely, did it really touch everything in the universe? Well, in verse number 51, I find that the death of Jesus, it affected the spiritual world. The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Who rent that veil? God rent that veil. You've heard it said many times, God took the fingers of eternity, leaned over the balcony of heaven, reached down, got a hold of the top of that veil and rent it. God would have been the only one worthy to rent that veil. No man could rent that veil if a man went behind that veil without the permission of God and make an atonement for his own life. That one time a year, he would have died, amen? It was the holy place, the most holy of holies uh, where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. Uh, he's only one person that was worthy enough to be behind that veil. I'll tell you, listen, what happened that day when Jesus yielded up the ghost, uh, when he died at Calvary in verse number 50. Then in the next verse, uh, I believe the blood went on the altar so fast uh, that he yielded up his spirit in verse number 50 and by the time you get to the next verse, guess what? The altar in heaven has already been satisfied uh, and God reaches down and breaks down the middle wall of partition between the Jew and the Greek. Now the same Lord is rich over all and unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because the veil's gone. The veil has been rent. The blood has been shed. That veil could not have been rent unless that blood had been put on the mercy seat and God put the blood. Jesus put the blood on the mercy seat. He satisfied the altar in heaven and God said, I am well pleased and he rent that veil and he opened up a fountain and said, now come on by way of the cross. Hallelujah. I'm about to get blessed in the shed blood of Calvary. He rent the veil, hallelujah. Thank God it's gone this morning. 
And we can rejoice in that, can't we? And I want to say when that centurion, it affected the death of Jesus, affected the world spiritually. When he saw that, it affected him. It affected the world naturally. The Bible said that the earth, verse 51, did quake and the rocks rent. Scientists say that every rock in the world has a crack in it. They can't figure out why. They went to the moon and they sat on the moon, said every rock that they picked up has a crack in it. And they can't figure out why. Well, I'm not a rocket scientist. Makes me feel pretty good that I know something that they don't know. Amen. Don't you feel good that you, you can say, you can go out of here today and say, hey, I learned something at church that scientists don't even know. They've been scratching their head for, for 2,000 years. They can't figure out why every time. Go out there in a, a parking lot. Now, not you kids, amen, but go out there and pick a rock up uh, and take it home. If you put it under a microscope, you know what they say? Every rock has a crack in it. You know why that is? Because of verse number 51. The earth did quake, and it didn't say some of the rocks rent. It said the rocks rent, amen. I'm gonna tell you when Jesus died at Calvary, when he said it is finished, and Father, into my hands, uh, I commend my spirit, and he yielded up the ghost. Every rock in the universe split and said, He is Lord. He is God. He is Creator. Amen. I'm talking about all the universe shattered and shook and rattled. Why? Because God, from the very bowels of heaven, of hell, to the very heights of heaven, He shook the universe when He yielded up the ghost. Hallelujah. It affected the natural world, it affected the underworld. Look at verse 52 and the graves were open. And many of the bodies which saints slept arose. Those that were in the heart of the earth, and you know before Calvary, paradise was in the heart of the earth. Uh, listen, saved on one side, lost on the other side. When Jesus died at Calvary, it shook the underworld. It affected the underworld. But then when we get back to verse number 54, it affected the present world. This man is alarmed. He's, he's fearing greatly for what he has witnessed standing at the foot of the cross. The purpose of Calvary, I want to say this morning, was not to move the earth. And though it was a part of what needed to happen, it was not necessarily to move the veil, nor was it to move the graves or the bodies that were in it. It was to move the heart of man toward God. It was to shake every sinner. I want to tell you this morning, Calvary ought to alarm all of us. There ought to be a side of me that, that is affected in the fact that I'm saved and that I'm excited and I'm anticipating what Calvary has to offer. But there ought to be a side of me that fears Calvary because Calvary is where my sins were judged at. They were laid on the back of the Son of God. I want to say this morning he was alarmed and then finally notice he was accurate. Look at what he said. Truly this was the Son of God. This statement is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptist Gospels. It's found in all three of them. Luke says in Luke 23 and verse 47, now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. I mean, this man was affected. He, he was accurate and his timing was a little bit off. If you look at the phrase, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. We know that Jesus not only was the Son of God, but he is the Son of God. But this sinner, he doesn't have all of his theology correct, but he had enough to know that this man was who he said he was. And when you think about this man this morning, this centurion, think about where he stood. He stood at the foot of the cross. Think about who he saw. He 
saw the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross. Then think about what he said. Truly, this was the Son of God. He did not say, uh, truly, this is a Son of God's. But he said, truly, this was the Son of God. I'm telling you, he looked at Calvary. He looked at Jesus. Uh, he looked at the circumstances around. He examined the cross. Uh, and when he got through, he come to this conclusion. Christ is who he said he was. Uh, he's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. Uh, he's the Son of the living God this morning. All because one day he stood at the foot of Calvary. You know, history, tradition, not Bible, but tradition, says that this man's name was, uh, was Longinus and said that Longinus was the centurion that stood at the cross. Said after the cross, tradition says that he got saved. He became a devout follower of Jesus Christ. That he preached the gospel and he died a martyr's death. I don't know if tradition is right or not. I know the Bible is right. Great possibility, probably more of a possibility that's true than it's not. What I do know is that in Matthew chapter number eight, a centurion came to Jesus on behalf of a sick servant and he had faith and he believed and Jesus healed his servant. In Acts chapter number 10, Cornelius was a centurion, a man of great faith that trusted God. And the apostle Paul throughout many of his journeys found that centurions were often kind to him and helped him along the journey. I have no problem this morning believing that this man standing at the foot of the cross, although I do not know that for certain, but I have no problem believing that standing front and center at the foot of the cross, he saw Calvary clear, as clear as any man could ever see it. And I read that verse this morning and the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and just dropped that message in my soul this morning. I said, Lord, let me see Calvary. I saw it, I've been there, I've met the Lord. But I never wanna lose sight of Calvary. Listen to me this morning, look up here at me. I never wanna lose sight of the cross. I never want to lose sight of what Jesus did for me. I never want to grow accustomed to the cross of Calvary. Do you? I don't ever sit through a sermon and just let it roll off my, my ears and just say, well, I've heard that before. Oh, no. I want to say, tell me that story again. I want to say, tell me one more time about Jesus and his glory. Oh, tell me that story, how the Son of God came, how that he was born in Bethlehem's manger, how that he walked a sin-cursed world, how that he lived amongst sinners. He loved sinners. He grew up with sinners. He worked with sinners. He preached to sinners. He taught sinners. He healed sinners. Oh, but the best thing about Jesus Christ is that he was not a sinner. Amen. He died amongst sinners. He died and saved and rescued sinners. And thank God, tell me the story of his great love, of his great mercy, and his good goodness toward me today. Standing at the foot of the cross this morning as we stand, I want to ask you this morning, sinner, where do you stand this morning? Can you see yourself? Can you see your sin? Most of all, can you see the Savior? I want to ask you this morning, child of God, is it real to you? Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. He said, anytime I take a text and deal with a subject, he said, I lay the foundation for that subject. He said, and then I head to the cross as quickly as I can.